All right. Good morning, everybody. It is good to see you today. Good to see a full house back there. Sorry for those of you that had to wait for a chair. We'll uh, get you a hot dog and a beverage with those seats uh, back there. So thank you for being patient. I just want you to know, even if we're snuggled, uh, scrunched for room uh, here in the gym, there is always room for every single one of you in our church family. And uh, praise God for good problems to have, like running out of space. Amen? Amen? Good problems to have. Uh, never want to grow frustrated with that because that is a gift from God that, that we receive. And so I just want you to know, every single one of you this morning, whether this is your first time here or your hundredth time here, uh, it is no accident that you're here. God brought you here this morning for a very, very specific purpose. And he knows exactly where you're at this morning. Can I just say that? He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly the, the, the wounds and the, the, the baggage, the, the frustrations, the stress, even the joy that you might bring in with you this morning. And so you're not just a face in the crowd this morning. You're a child of God, and he wants you to know that this morning, and he's brought you here for a very specific purpose. Do you remember growing up what it was like the week before Christmas? I know, I'm getting ahead of myself, right? I'm like Walmart. It's like we barely had Halloween and we're talking about Christmas, right? Just hang with me. Do you remember what it was like as a little kid the week before Christmas? Do you remember that? And do you remember all the presents were under the tree and just the buildup and the excitement and the anticipation and all you could do was hold the presents and shake them and you didn't really know what it was all about, but you were just waiting and waiting and waiting and people kept talking to you about it. And so finally, Christmas morning comes, the excitement is just killing you and you come storming down uh, the stairs from your room, probably in your footsie pajamas, right? Anybody footsie pajamas? Yeah. You come running down the stairs in your footsie pajamas and you go waking up, uh, your parents are like, it's too early. Why are we up? And you dart for the Christmas tree and you start ripping open those presents because it's so exciting because the day is finally here. And folks, that's exactly how I, I feel like a giddy little kid today that the day is finally here. We are officially kicking off today our Building Hope Together campaign. And man, I feel like I've been waiting this from the moment that we started this church. That's how big today is. That's how big this month is in the history of our church. And so I just want you to to feel that. I want you to breathe that in this morning, that God is doing something incredible today. And I'm, I'm more excited than Christmas morning even. I am stoked about what God is doing in our community. And so you might be saying, John, wait a minute. You don't really know what you're saying, do you? Seems a little over the top to get this excited about money and buildings and budgets. I mean, doesn't that just get you stirred up? Ooh, budgets, right? Not really, right? Some of you are like, why are we getting that excited? And the truth is, if you would have talked to me six months ago, maybe, when our leadership team and our facility team first started talking about this, and I was really, really excited that we're going to have a new building, and then it dawned on me, oh man, I got to stand up in front of everybody and ask them for their money. Oh, right? That's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to do that because the last thing that anybody needs, that any of us need, is more guilt and more pressure, let alone coming from the church. Amen? Amen. That's the last place that you should experience that. And so, to be honest, over the last year thinking about this for a while, my attitude just stunk. Remember when your parents used to say, you need to shape up that attitude, right? kind of what I felt like. And instead of my parents doing it, I felt like my father in heaven had something to say to me. And I'm, and I'm praying and I'm thinking, I just kind of surrender this whole thing 
to God, and, and I think that he began to soften my heart. And over these last few months, I believe that I, I don't hear God very clearly very often, but when I do, it's, it's pretty certain. I think I heard loud and clear God say something to the effect of, John, this ultimately really isn't about you. It's not about me. It's not about any of you. It's not about money or campaigns or goals or dreams. God says, he says it's about my dreams and my goals for this city, for this church, and for these people. And then he said this, why would you ever stand in the way of my people living into the calling that God has placed on their lives? Okay, game on, right? Enough of my bad attitude, right? Who am I or any one of us to stand in the way of what God wants to do with his church? His church, not our church, his. And it always has been from the beginning. That call that God has placed on us, both as individuals, but also together as a community. You might be wondering, okay, what is that call? If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter Three. That's where we're going to start today. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 17. Paul is talking to one of the churches that he helped plant, and so I can resonate with him. Uh, whenever Paul talks about the churches that he plants uh, in the New Testament, I'm always like, yeah, bro, I'm right there with you. It's just this church planner thing that we have going. And uh, so we're talking to Paul, and he's, uh, he's talking to the early church, and he's telling them, that there's something much bigger than just showing up and living for themselves. And he says this, Ephesians 3, 17. If you're there, say, I'm there. And I pray that you, every single one of you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I would kill to write something like that. That's awesome. And I don't know about you, but that right there, that's a calling worth giving your life to. That's worth getting up for in the morning. That's better than Christmas morning. Because there's nothing better than knowing Jesus Christ. If you hear me say nothing else today, that's why we do what we do. That's why we exist as a church, so that we can know Jesus Christ deeper and deeper and deeper and be filled up so that we can overflow with his love and share it with the world around us. Amen? Amen. That's why we exist. That's the calling that God has placed on our lives. It's what you and I were created for. It's what we were created for. And that's why just a page later, so just flip that page over to chapter 4, Paul continues his thoughts. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. In fact, let's read it together up on the screens with a lot of oomph this morning. All right, let's read it together. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, normally when somebody just wants to suggest something, they say, hey, here's a thought. Or I'd like to suggest this to you. But if they use the word urge, that comes from deep down within you, right? So Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's talking to us, and he says, I urge you, I plead with you, live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed on your life this morning. 
to be filled up with his love and share it with the world around you. Paul says, I urge you, get off the sidelines of life and get into the game. Become the church that you were created to be. And over this next month, this calling, this mission that you've heard about is called Building Hope Together. And it's not simply to build a church building, but to be built up as his people. The church. We are the church. This building is not the church. You are. And that brings us to sort of our our theme verse for this entire campaign. It's from Ephesians 4. So just go ahead a few more verses. Verses 15 and 16. Paul writes this, instead, speaking the truth in love, we, meaning all of us, will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so there's two things that I want you to know from that passage and for the next four weeks that we're going to spend together. Well, hopefully longer for that. You can come back, right? We are going to have Christmas too, so we'll stay open for that. There's two things I want you to know about Ephesians chapter 4 and about this campaign. Number one, the purpose of this campaign is not just to raise money. The purpose is for us as a church to become mature. For us as a church to look more and more like Jesus Christ. That's the first goal. And the second goal is we need you. That's it. We need every single one of you. That's what Paul says. He says, for us to live into our calling together, you are needed. Every single one of us is a part of the body, as Paul talks about, this analogy of the human body to do its work, to get in the game. And because of that, this campaign is an all play. Have you ever played a board game where there's cards that say all play on them? Do you know what I'm talking about? They're kind of group games and maybe it's Pictionary or maybe it's, have you ever played the game Seen It? Anybody ever play that? Okay, I have. Um, so, you know, th- there's, there's lots of different games, and you draw a card, and most of them are, okay, for your team, these five people on your team get to play, and the rest of the people just have to sit there and wait their turn, right? You've played games like this before, right? And then somebody draws the card, and it says, all play. And I'm like, yes! That's, my, that's the best part of the game, is because everybody's in everybody's needed. Nobody's sitting on the sidelines. Everybody is needed. And that's why each week during worship, if you look on the sides here, we're surrounded by you, the church, with your dreams for this church that the last couple weeks you've written on these chalkboards. And by the way, you're a good-looking bunch of people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're good-looking. You're good-looking. Sorry if I just started any dating relationships. I didn't, didn't mean to do that. Hopefully you've got boundaries there. Actually, they are kind of good looking, right? I'm talking about the church and the beauty of Christ in them, okay? That's why we're surrounded by you. That's why we're surrounded by you because that's the church. You are the church and we're surrounded by your dreams because we need you. So if we're going to live into our calling that Paul talks about as a church, we're going to need everybody in the game. And here's how we're going to do that. Instead of a guilt-ridden, pressure-filled ask for money, God is calling us to a Christ-centered, Bible-centered, prayer-centered journey where we're going to do three things over the next four weeks. In fact, we've already started. There's teams that have been working on this for months. 
We're going to do three things. So hold up your fingers so we remember this together. Number one, everybody say gather. Yeah. Everybody say grow. grow. Everybody say give. Let's try it all at the same time. Gather, grow, give. That's what we're going to do. Gather, grow, give. So I want to unpack each of those for us one at a time so we fully understand what we mean by that. So to unpack gather, if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Pretty close to where you were at in Corinthians. It's going to be to your left. Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, and then Romans. So Acts is telling the story of the early church, and we get this this picture of the early church that is so full of truth and power for us this morning. If you've been around Hope Des Moines, you know we kind of like Acts. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And as I read this, I don't want you to think of it as like, oh, here's this passage in the Bible I've heard before. Maybe just follow along, and as you're following along, think, Would I want to be a part of that church? Is that the kind of community that I would want to be a part of? So let's let's, uh, look at this together, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse uh, 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Skip down to verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. If there's eating, sign me up for that. Uh, Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And get this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Kind of reminds me of another church that I know. And what we find here in in the early church in Acts is a church that has been filled up by God's love that they can't help but share it. We find a church that is vibrant and alive. And what I want to highlight today, we find a church that is gathering together as a get-to, not a got-to. And that's huge. When you can make that shift in your relationship with God, where everything that you do for the church, with the church, is a get-to, an honest, I get to go to worship, I get to go to my life group, I get to pray this morning, I get to read my Bible that 90% of the people in this world can't. I get to changes everything. So for them to gather and get together, it's almost like the early church actually liked being together. That maybe church people can be fun and not boring. It's almost like they love being together because they couldn't wait to see what God was going to do next, what miracle was going to happen. And they not only met in the temple, but they're like, no, this is too much fun. This can't just be a Sunday thing. And so it says they met in each other's homes. They did life together. And that's why over these next several weeks, I believe God is calling us to be this kind of a church that comes together each week here on the weekends in anticipation of what God will do, and then that that excitement just bubbles over and flows into each other's homes. That's why you've been hearing us talk about these neighborhood open houses. And folks, just so there's no confusion, you are not going to be asked for one cent, period, at any of these open houses. This is far more than about money and buildings. This is about us getting together for an opportunity that most churches have to do a giving campaign, a building campaign, maybe once or twice in the entire history of the church. 
That's why I can't tell you how important these next four weeks are, especially this next week with these open houses. It is an opportunity for you to come and for the entire church to be in each other's homes for a week. I mean, not all the time. They'll leave and you can go to sleep, right? Not going to move in with you, right? But maybe for an hour and a half, you can spare getting together, coming together, and hearing the vision of what God is calling us to be as a church. It's on all play. It's for everybody. This is this incredible chance that we have. And here's the thing. No matter where we're at in life, we always experience something incredible, incredible when we start to live for something that's bigger than us. And I don't know if you feel that when you come here each week, but I hope that you do. I hope that you not, you're not living your life on an island or on the sidelines. When we, when, we, when we get together with other people and we go about something that's bigger than us, that's when life starts. That's when we experience that abundant life. And, and I, I was reminded of that a week ago yesterday. And I was standing on holy ground. And I was feeling the blessings of God flow down like rays of sun as I stood in Kinnick Stadium. A few days before, a co- what are you laughing at? I'm being serious. Okay. A few days before, a coworker of mine had a few extra tickets to the Iowa Northwestern game. And so, of course, I knew God was simply preparing my heart for the giving campaign by allowing me to spend time with his team. And so I just wanted to, to bask in that. And so I said, yes, of course, I'll go. So I get all fired up. And I don't, know, I don't know what it is that comes over grown men when they're packed together like sardines to watch 20-something men run into each other. Uh, but we get really, really excited. And we actually start to do things when you're in the bleachers at a football game that you would do nowhere else in life, including worship. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And so we're just going crazy. So I'm there with a buddy of mine, uh, and he's a guy here from the church. I'm not going to mention his name, but his initials are David Calger. So we're, we're, um, we're hanging out there at the game, and we're having an awesome time, and we are just going crazy like little kids, like it's Christmas morning again, right? And it's a great game, and it goes into overtime, and, and we're just going crazy. Like everybody's biting their fingernails. It, it is so close, and we, we score, and we're really excited. And you know what? Football games, you start giving high fives to people that you don't even know, right? Grown men that normally when you'd pass them on the street, they'd be like, hey, hey, right? But a game, it's, hey, you know, like that. I think one time somebody almost hugged me and then they realized they didn't know me and like, oh, I'll hug you anyway. Go Hawks, right? And there's just this feeling of energy and excitement that we're a part of something that's bigger than us. And finally, when the Hawks stopped Northwestern and they won in overtime, it was just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It was a holy moment. And they, and, and they want, everybody's jumping up and down and going crazy. And David and I are there next to each other. And we just look at each other and we just start jumping up and down. I think like little girls do this. And we were like, wow! And we're just like hitting each other's chest. And I'm like banging on his chest like, we won, we won, we won, we won. And then we're looking around us and everybody's giving high fives and going crazy. And I just stop and I'm catching my breath and I'm just soaking in that cool, crisp fall air. And I'm going, oh, oh. I'm looking around me and I go, Oh, man, to think I might have missed this. To think I might have missed this feeling right here, right now. Because I was that close to not going. Because when I heard about those tickets, I thought, oh, I'm too busy. I got so much to do. I, 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 I had just been really tired recently. I, I don't want to pay for the gas. That's a lame excuse. It's below $3. Um, it, 
I don't want to pay for the gas. It's so long to Iowa City. Jeez, it's two hours. I almost didn't go. I almost didn't go. And to think that I might have missed that feeling. But in that moment, surrounded by all those people with the same heart, it's like nothing else mattered. And all those cares and worries and concerns that I had kind of went away just for a brief moment because I was a part of something bigger than me. And I started thinking, if I can feel that much joy and that much excitement and that much passion over college football players, how much more so with the God of the universe every single week? How much more so with the God that created us? We don't want you to miss these next four weeks because God is going to do something incredible here on Sunday and in these hope and houses. Don't miss it. And then I got to thinking, you know, what excuses do I make? What excuses do we make for not getting on board with God's mission? For maybe just coming and and going through the motions. And for me, it was the long trip or the tiredness. But sometimes for us, I think it's, well, John, you know, I'm pretty new to Hope Des Moines. I'm I'm pretty new to the church here. And, you know, I think I'll just kind of let others do this whole campaign thing. Well, John, you know, my my schedule's pretty full. And so I, I think I'll just have to skip out this time. There might not be another time. Well, you know, I just, I'm, John, there's a lot of people here this morning. I'm just kind of another face in the crowd, and I'll just leave it up to the others to kind of carry the load. Well, John, you know, I, I kind of bounce around to a few different churches, and I'm here, and I'm there, and all that, and maybe it's time for you to put some roots down. Maybe it's time for you to stop floating and put some roots down so you can grow somewhere, anywhere. Well, John, you know, you don't know my past. (laughs) You don't know what I've done. The last thing that you want is somebody like me, a part of doing something like this, because I'm going to get in the way of God. I'm going to ruin his mission. John, I've just got so much going on in my life right now. I've got so many relationship stuff going on and family struggles that there's so much to worry about. This whole church thing can just wait. Well, that's fine, unless you're a body unless your part of the body is absolutely essential to us growing up and becoming mature together. What's got you on the sidelines these days? Instead of right in the middle of the game of what God is doing in this church. Are you in the game or are you on the sidelines? And so no matter what's holding you back this morning, what if you saw this not next month, not as a church doing a fundraiser, but as an opportunity for you to get realigned with God? What if you saw these next four weeks as an opportunity for God to remind you, this is who I created you to be as the church, as individuals, parts of the body, and all together? And that's the second goal that we have as a community during this campaign, and it's to grow. Not just to gather, but to grow. Not only our relationship with God, but each other. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Skip ahead to verse 16. We read this at the beginning. Paul writes, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, listen to this now, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul says, just as in a healthy body, if, if something's underdeveloped, it affects the whole thing. Just as in a healthy family, moms and dads teach or disciple Kids and the kids grow 
up. If you think about it, I just gave you the answer, but what's the most natural thing for little kids to do besides get in trouble, right? Grow up, right? Grow up. And I know this all too well. Our son, Caleb, there he is, is seven months old this past week. And Caleb is very mature for his age because he's the master of the art of drooling out of both sides of his mouth at the same time, okay? And you'd think he would have grown out of that by now. I mean, he's seven months. Come on, kid, grow up, right? He doesn't even tell us when he needs to go to the bathroom. He just goes in his pants. I mean, what's up with that, right? Because you would expect that from an infant, right? You would expect that from somebody that doesn't know better. But if he's still drooling out of both sides of his mouth when he's seven or 17, we might have an issue, right? Then maybe we didn't do our job of raising him up to maturity. And when he grows up, we expect different things of him. And the same is true for all of us as the family of God. God wants us to grow up into maturity. And how do we do that? By finding our center in him. That's why we've developed a whole prayer guide and a devotional guide for you over these next four weeks. It's not just about money. It's about you growing in your relationship with God and in prayer. What a great time to join a group and stop being a spectator and start being a family member. Nowhere in scripture do I see, and you are God's spectators. Everywhere it says, and you are God's family. Brought together, rooted in him, grounded in him so that you can grow up into maturity. Because if we stop growing, if we stop being rooted in him, we'll start to believe other lies, other myths that come up about the church, especially the church and money. And for some of you, just hearing the word church and money in the same sentence just makes you want to scream. Me too. Until I started to look deeper into it. That's the other thing that's going to keep a lot of you on the sideline is you're saying, I've seen how poorly, not this church necessarily, but the church in general has handled money in the past. And I'd rather just kind of keep my finances a a private thing. and, And that would be okay if they were yours to begin with. But they're not. Nothing is ours. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that includes your checkbook and your bank account and my checkbook and my bank account. They're not ours. We don't own them. They're on loan to us. Therefore, the Bible says we are stewards of them. Everything that we have to be used by his glory. And so if we're going to grow up into maturity, part of being a disciple is saying, I want every single aspect of my life to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that includes my bank account. It's not like, oh, there's everything else. I'm on fire for God, but I'm going to keep some for myself. That's not how it works. Everything is on loan to us, meaning it's his. And so that leads us to the third and final goal of building hope together, and that's to give. You'll notice it's third, and you'll notice, man, John, you haven't really talked too much about how much you want us to fork over uh, yet today, right? Because it's not really about that. It's third, because I trust that when we gather and when we grow and when we pray about it and we put our trust in God's word, the give is going to take care of itself. Amen? I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about if we're going to gather and if we're going to grow. Because contrary to popular belief in the church, it starts with gather, grow, give, not the other way around. And so giving becomes a natural outflow of the love that Christ has poured into our hearts. 
There is nothing that we would hate more than for you to give out of some sort of guilt or pressure from me or anybody else in this church. Because you know what the world would say with a campaign like this? Use all the games, use all the gimmicks, use all the tricks that you can do. And so a couple months ago, our campaign team was meeting and we were uh, throwing around some slogans, some mottos uh, for the campaign and uh, want to just kind of let you in. These are the ones that didn't get picked. We, we, we end up going with Building Hope together, but these are the ones that didn't get picked. And here's the first suggestion. Go ahead and throw that up. Fork over your cash and get her done for God. Anybody? We weighed that one for a while. Okay, maybe not. Okay, how about the next one? This one we were really close to doing. Show me the money! Yeah, I didn't think you'd really respond to that one either. So we prayed about it a little bit. By the way, that was not ideas from the campaign team. I made those up. You know what slogan we landed on? Pray about it. Period. Not pray about it and pray about it. That's it. That's it? Yeah. That's it. Pray about it. Because we trust God's plan more for this church than our own ideas and our own goals. And that's why Paul says this in 2 Corinthians that you heard read for us today. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Now, you've heard me say this before, but it's important to know that this word cheerful in the Greek is the word hilarion, and it gets translated literally as hilarious. And so I am still waiting. I am still praying fervently to God for you as a church that some Sunday, when, I, when Kim announces the offering, that all of you will just stand up and go, oh, this is great. Okay, we'll work on that, you know. Um, because it's hilarious. Because it's freeing. Because it's not ours anyway. And so giving should bring us the most joy of anything. Oh, it would be much, much easier for us to not talk about money. For us to just not do a giving campaign whatsoever. But why would we steal the opportunity for all of you to experience joy? Why would we steal that incredible opportunity from you? Because the pressure's off and our job is to simply be faithful and leave the results up to God. Amen? In fact, I'll just end with this story. I had someone come up to me a few weeks back hearing about our plan. They're not from our Hope Des Moines community here, but they heard about what we're doing and they said, okay, John, I, you know, I know that you're going to tell everybody we just trust God and it'll all be okay, you know, but you've got to be a little worried. So what's the bottom line? bottom line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know you're going to tell everybody we trust God and we're fine with whatever, but what's the number? What are you, what are you really looking for? I said, the number? Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you really need? Like, what, what are you just hoping and praying? If we don't reach that, the whole thing's a wash, right? What's the number? And I just, with no angst in me whatsoever, I just said, the number is Whatever happens when all of us pray about it and give in obedience. And whatever number that is, that's the number. That's exactly what it should be. That's the Lord's will. Because we give in faithfulness and we leave the results up to him because it's not our church, it's his. The number is the result of us praying about it. And I want to encourage you, 
pray about it. As Christians, we're really, really bad at saying, oh, I'll pray about it. I'll be praying for you. I'm just as guilty as this as anybody. Do you really? What if you honestly ask God, what do you want me to give? Maybe not just your money, if you're not able to do that, but your time, your talents, and your treasure. Pray about it. Picture this. Picture your whole church family learning to give cheerfully and in faith. Can you imagine the joy explosion that would happen? Ever seen an explosion of joy? I can't wait. The prayer is this. God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for Hope Des Moines? God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for Hope Des Moines? Whether you give a little bit or nothing at all, because I want you to hear this this morning. I care way, 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 exponentially way more about God transforming your heart than what's in your bank account. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I care way more about God transforming your heart over these next four weeks than anything that you could give. And nobody knows the joy of getting into the game. Nobody knows the joy of getting off the sidelines and living into God's call on their life than Rudy. And I couldn't help but think of this story right in the heart of fall and football season. And finally, after a lifetime of dreaming and doubting and fighting and persevering through every excuse, Rudy gets his chance to live into God's call on his life to finally suit up for the University of Notre Dame. But of course, even then, he thinks he's not needed. After all, there's plenty of others. I'll just stay on the sideline until an entire stadium of 90,000 people starts chanting his name and says, Rudy, it's time for you to get in the game. Every single person is needed. And I want you to watch the joy that happens when you get off the sideline and start living into the calling that God has given you. Let's take a look. Let's stand together. To think that he might have missed it. I urge you, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. When we get off the sideline and get into the game, we discover God's purpose and his call for us. Why would we ever want to miss the joy of building hope together? We'll see you at an open house this week, and we'll see you right back here for worship every single week, because I can't wait to see what God's going to do next.